All right, uh, we're going to get into the message now. You know, as we say uh, often here, every culture on the planet brings their own cultural bias to the Christian faith. We just, we just do. And two of the biggest cultural challenges that impact how we as Americans in the 21st century look at scripture and enter into our Christian walks are as follows. One, we live in the information age, and that, in a sense, can be a roadblock. And two, our culture has made most of us into consumers. So uh, let me just break that down as an example. So, for example, as products of the information age, we often, without recognizing it, we come to church or we, you open up the Bible, and oftentimes we just purely want information, And so we can add to our trophy wall of knowledge, so we can impress people with our repository of information. And then I would say, secondly, often without recognizing it, we come to church, or we come to scripture, just wanting to consume. Like, we just want to discover some benefit, some nugget of truth that will just directly impact our lives and make our lives better. And yet the Bible really clearly teaches that that's not how we are supposed to approach God's word. In fact, if you just came in those doors every single week and you just added to your knowledge of God, right, and you just improved a little bit about yourself, you'd actually be missing one of your most basic tasks as a believer. And Jesus is going to talk about that in the book of Luke today. If you want to follow along uh, with God's word in the Bible, uh, there's a Bible under every chair. Uh, We're going to be on page 839. Uh, or you can use the Renovation Church app and just have Bible and weekly verses. Either way, we're just going to study this today. So have it in front of you in some sort of capacity. Uh, if you were here two weeks ago, uh, we talked about the parable of the sower, uh, which was this story that we as believers, we need to constantly cultivate our spiritual hearts to make sure that we hear the word of God and actually let it sink in. And Jesus, because we're just going to the next verse here, Jesus is going to add to that thought today saying that Not only does your life depend on what you do with the word of God, but the people's lives around you actually depend on what you do when you hear the word of God. So if you just come to church as a consumer of information, you're actually missing out on what God wants to do through you when the word gets in you. So we're actually just looking at three verses today. We're not making a lot of progress in the book of Luke today. Just three verses, but they're tricky And so we're going to try and unpackage them. So Luke chapter 8, and we are now at verse 16. Jesus says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Okay. <clears throat> Jesus uses a whole list of metaphors uh, in Scripture. And today, he's describing us as a lamp when it comes to our relationship with him. Now, when the Bible says lamp, it's important that you don't picture this. Okay? This is not, all right, this is not, they didn't have lamps like this. 2,000 years ago, I don't know if you knew that or not. I want you to picture something more like this. This is a first century lamp that they might have used. Now, you can see that this actually looks close. What does this look like, by the way? It kind of looks like a lamp from Aladdin, almost, right? Which, if you didn't know, uh, Disney is coming out with 
Aladdin again this summer because they apparently fired everyone on staff who had an original thought at Disney, and they just retread out the same movies. Uh, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so Jesus is saying, you are the lamp, and if his spirit, if his word is in you, he has lit you up. But for what purpose? I actually believe in the passage today that Jesus gives us three principles of being a lamp. You can write these down if you want. You can actually take notes in your app, and you can use that in house groups later in the week. Let me just start with the first principle. So three principles of being a lamp. Here's the first one. We're meant to be seen. You, as a lamp, you're meant to be seen. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're a lamp. Okay, so look at verse 16 again. It says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand. Why? What's the purpose? So that those who come in can see the light. So what's the purpose of being a lamp? Look at the text. It's right there. You being a lamp allows others to come into your life and see. To see what? To see Christ through you. In the book of Matthew, uh, after uh, Jesus uh, basically says the same thing, uh, we see this. This is Matthew five sixteen. He says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I'll just be straight up honest with you this morning. I think for most of us, this is not our natural instinct when we think about our faith. And most of the time, I think we'd rather just keep our lamp under our bed then invite others to actually come in and see Christ in us, right? And it's definitely easier to keep your lamp under your bed than to actually wander out into the darkness with your lamp, shining the light for all to see. And yet God has said to you in his word today, very specifically, that he has put a light in each and every one of you, yes, you, so you could impact people for his kingdom. And this world needs us. I I will tell you this. This world, our culture, is only going to descend even quicker into darkness if all of the Christians, because they're afraid of the dark, stay in their homes and keep their lamps under their beds. We're just going to lose the culture. We're going to lose this country even quicker. Last Sunday night... I got uh, the rare opportunity to attend a, a Vikings game. You know, as a pastor, a lot of noon games, I don't get to go to a lot of Vikings games, but uh, Lindsay and I were generously uh, given tickets. Now, as amazing as it was to watch Aaron Rodgers and the Packers lose in person, right, that was an incredible experience, uh, my, my heart was really focused on the pain that was around me. Now, I, I, I try and interact uh, with people who don't know Christ, but it's been a while since I've been around, since I, I guess I would just say it this way, since I've been so surrounded by so many people that are so far from Christ. Right? You're sitting there. I don't know if you've ever been to a Vikings game before. It's a different experience right, than going to a, a typical sporting event. From the screaming obscenities to you're just constantly passing beers down to the drunk guy down the row, right? The two guys in front of us just reeked like weed. The guy to my left was high, right? And he was kind of fading by the end of the service. Now, don't misinterpret me, okay? I, I'm actually kind of energized by that situation because I, I, I love lost people. 
I'm not sitting there going, oh, I can't believe these people, right? I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is great, right? This is being out in the world. And I'm not judging because I understand they don't even know Christ. But as I looked around and I'm looking at the sea of people who didn't know Jesus, I was reminded this week of perhaps the most fascinating dream that I've ever had in my life. Now, I know Christians don't nowadays talk about dreams from God a whole lot, but God uses dreams all the time in Scripture, all the time, to communicate with people, right? From Joseph in the Old Testament uh, to Daniel to Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, has dreams about Jesus, right? Now, of course, I can't say, I'm not going to stand up here and say with 100% authority that this dream was from God. I feel like it was, but I, I don't know. Either way, I think it's a teachable moment. So I had this dream. It was back in 2008. It was 10 years ago. And when I, it was when I was in this phase, when I was just dreaming about, God, do you want me to start this church? Because I want to start a church that's going to reach people for Christ, not just put on services. So I had this dream 10 years ago. In my dream, I'm at the Metrodome. Rest in peace. Right? I'm at the Metrodome, and I'm watching a Vikings game. And I'm way up in upper deck, like 15 rows from the top. And I don't know how it happened, but during the game, the stadium started to fill with water from the field upwards. In fact, so much so that the water had risen almost all the way up to my row, way up in upper deck. And in the water, within the water, it was full of people from the rows below. And they were drowning. And they were screaming. And their arms were flailing. And yet I looked around, and all the remaining people that were still kind of from my row up in upper deck, they were just sitting there, content. They were smiling. And I looked around, and I started to look at some of them, and I recognized, I know a lot of these people. And then it came to me in my dream that all of these people were Christians. And worse yet, I look around again, and I see the vendors are still walking up and down the stairs, and they're selling popcorn and cotton candy to the remaining Christians who are just buying it. And as I look harder, I realize that all the vendors that are selling the food to the Christians as they're smiling are pastors. And right when I came to that realization my alarm clock woke me up. And I still remember this dream vividly, even though it was 10 years ago, because it's truth. Because there are people all around us that are groping around in darkness, that are drowning in sin, needing a way out. And they're not just going to die, okay? They're going to suffer in hell for eternity. And yet as Christians... Most of us, we just kind of hop <clears throat> from one church to the next, right? trying to find the next podcast, the next book, the next thing that's going to fill us up or entertain us or give us more knowledge. And we're not even remotely broken up by the fact that there are thousands and thousands of people dying all around us, that there are hundreds of people in our neighborhood alone that are going to suffer in hell for all of eternity, and it just has not broken our hearts. And one of the main reasons that our hearts are not broken for the lost is because we have forgotten our biblical purpose as a lamp. 
See, God isn't moving in your life just for you. God has made you a lamp because the light in you was meant to be seen. He wants you to be seen. There are people that are dying to see you. Let's move to the next verse down because there's another principle of the lamp. And this comes from, I think, what maybe is the most misinterpreted verse of this passage. Verse 17, Jesus says, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Uh, Sometimes people will use this verse to say uh, that your deepest, darkest sins are going to one day be revealed, so uh, you better reveal now that you're secretly a fan of The Bachelorette or, you know, or, or whatever your deepest sin is, right? Now, I, well, that may be a true principle, right? That's not really contextually what this particular passage is about. Let me give you another way to read verse 17 in light of context, in light of what it says in verse 16 and 18. You could read it this way. What is now hidden from people who don't know Jesus is meant to be brought out into the open. Sometimes if you're reading the Bible, you ever have this, you're reading through Scripture, and you're like, I have no idea what that means. You know, one thing you can do is invest it, put a study Bible on your Christmas list, so you can get one, you can study more. Another thing that you can do is use cross-references. If you don't know what cross-references are, in like a, a study Bible, or even you can turn these on in like the version app, they're just references where you can it's the little letters at the end of each verse, and it'll tell you where else the Bible talks about this exact same thing. And so if you look up the cross-reference on this particular verse, it'll take you to Matthew 10, where Jesus essentially says the same thing. But here we get more context to understand it. So let's go now to the cross-reference to Matthew 10. So you'll see Jesus is kind of saying the same thing. He says, So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Now he's going to explain it. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Now that's helpful and actually gives us our second principle of the lamp. The second principle is this. We're meant to bring our lamp out into the open. Now it's really similar to the first principle, but there's an important distinction here that I think is really important, especially to us as Americans. Because for most of us, We are afraid. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. We are afraid to bring our light out into the open. And why are we afraid? We're afraid that if we talk about Christ, if we pray in public, if we mention that we follow Christ, we're afraid that people are going to have a negative reaction to the light. It's, it's kind of like this. In, in my house, in my family, uh, we argue about lights all the time. I, I'm a type of guy, when it's like nighttime, right, and it's past dinner, I want the lights either off or dim, right? I'm getting my eyes ready for bed. But there are, I just, I, I just for the most part, I just hate lights. Some of you, if you see me work in the office, I basically work in the dark. I just hate fluorescent light. With the exception of one small time of the day, Right when I wake up, I want all the lights on. I just want to shock myself awake because I need to get up. But there are some in my family, I don't understand them, that feel differently about this. One of my children in particular, you know, I'll wake up, I'm just turning on all the lights, and they'll say back to me like, oh, shut it off. 
It's horrible, <laughs> right? And maybe you feel the same way. Now, when you bring the light of God out into the world, right? You're talking about your faith. You're, you're praying in public. You start helping the community, but you're saying Jesus is the reason for it. Some people are going to react negatively to the light shining in their darkness. But you have to expect this, okay? See, I find that there are so many Christians who they had a time where they got bold, right? And they invited someone to church or they mentioned something about what God was doing in their life and somebody reacted negatively to the light. And so they said, that was an awful experience and so I'm never going to do that again. But not everyone is going to react that way. And our job is not to be afraid of one negative reaction. Our job is not to be ashamed of Jesus. No matter how the world may react. The Apostle Paul, he tells us not to be ashamed. I don't know if you've ever studied, why does he say not to be ashamed? Look at this verse from Romans 1.16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because... He's going to tell you why you shouldn't be ashamed. Because... It is the power of God. It's the thing that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Okay, so here's why Jesus is telling you, don't be ashamed of me at work, with your friends, with your family. Don't be ashamed, even if some people react negatively to your light. Why? Because the light is the very thing that brings them salvation. Okay, Think of it this way. Imagine that five of your friends are lost, and they went uh, into a cave. And they're lost. They've completely lost their way in the cave. They can't find their way out. They've been down there for quite some time, and they're starving. Their phones are dead. They're not sure how they're going to get out. But you, because you're incredible, you're leading the rescue crew. Look at you. I'm so proud of you, right? You're leading the rescue crew. Uh, You show up, and and you're walking in with your huge, because you're in this dark cave, with your huge, bright flashlight. Now, one one or two of your friends, because they've become, their eyes have become accustomed to the dark. You bring in your bright flashlight, and they say the same thing. They say, ah, shut that off. It's horrible. Are you going to shut it off? No, you're not going to shut it off because that's the very thing that's going to lead them out. It's going to save their life. That's why we're not ashamed of the light because the light is the thing that's going to save their life. How's this going for you, by the way? Are you ashamed of the light? Do you believe that it's the light that brings salvation to lives, that brings transformation uh, author Howard Hendricks, some of you uh, actually read his book uh, when you took uh, Mining God's Word and Renovation uh, You. Uh, he, he wrote once that the greatest witness that he ever knew for Christ uh, was actually an ophthalmologist uh, in Dallas, was a, an eye surgeon. Hendricks said this guy was uh, on the board of his church for 12 years, but never led anyone to Christ and hadn't talked about Christ a lot out in the public sphere or out in the darkness. Until one day, some college kids uh, trained him in how to share his faith and how to share his faith at work. And so he just started doing it. He started sharing about Jesus to his coworkers, to his patients, and he led a ton of his coworkers to Christ. He led a ton of his patients to Christ. Howard Hendricks, who was a famous writer and seminary professor, he was traveling in India once, and he was using this guy as an illustration. And as he finished, one of the local Indian guys came up to him and said, Hey, were you talking about Jack Cooper? 
He's, you know, he's like halfway across the world. He said, yeah, look, how did, yes, but how did you know that? How do you know Jack Cooper? And the guy said, well, actually, I was in the U.S. for a while, and I was actually in Dallas for, for medical school, and I had to go see Dr. Cooper about my eyes, and Dr. Cooper led me to Christ. And today, that Indian doctor is the only licensed neurosurgeon in that part of India, and he has led a ton of people to Christ in India. Cool story, right? Challenges, a lot of you hear that story and you think, oh, that's a great story, but it's just too hard for me to talk about my faith at work or in my family or however you answered it in your head. Whether it's hard or not doesn't actually answer the question of whether it's worth it or not, whether it's right or not. Did you ever think about this? Do you ever think about the only reason that you know Jesus today is because the disciples talked about his resurrection despite persecution, despite the constant threat of death. 11 out of 12 of them were killed because they talked about it. But they thought it was worth you knowing. Let me just break this down even more practically. You know, I think of Lance Mackey from our church. Lance is a chiropractor at Mackey Chiropractic Clinic in Blaine. And he is not ashamed of Christ. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples of this. Uh, Lance uses his clinic's Facebook page for Christ. Now, sure, most of what he posts is just chiropractic information for his patients, but he finds ways to weave things in about God. Maybe invite them to Family Fun Day through his chiropractor's page. One of the things that he started doing is he started playing Christian music in his office, hoping that it maybe opens some conversation. Another thing things that he started doing, if a patient mentions that they're just having an incredibly difficult time, that he'll say, can I pray for you? And he'll pray for them and start up some spiritual conversations. And I'm telling you, God is going to use his boldness. Now, how can you do something like that where you're at? And I think this is connected to the third principle of the lamp. And the third principle is the blessing for your life is actually in the darkness. It's outside of our Christian bubbles. Let's work through this in the passage. Uh, Verse 18, Jesus says, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Now, let's throw those three principles back up, too, just, just so you can look at it. Okay, what does that, what does that mean? Jesus, when he's speaking specifically uh, to the Jews, he, many of them thought that they were just going to be saved just purely because they were racially Jewish. Jewish, And so they weren't actually really listening to what he was saying because, ah, they were fine. Why really look into this? And in verse 18, he's saying, no, those who truly dive into this and they live it out, actually just get more blessing from God. He's going to move in their life even more. But those of you that think, ah, you know what, I'm just fine, I'm saved, I guess it doesn't really matter, even what you think you have will be taken from you. But if you're not really following Christ, then you're probably not actually saved. This is all a major principle in Christianity. One of the things that Jesus teaches in the gospel is this sort of upside-down kingdom. 
Let me give you an example of this. At the very, very end of uh, C.S. Lewis's A Mere Christianity, he writes this, and this is profound. He says, this principle runs through all life from top to bottom. Give up yourself, and you will find your real self. Lose your life, and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you'll find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with him, everything else thrown in. I just want to tell you, you can see the same sort of concept, this upside-down thinking with the lamp. See, our thinking is upside-down. Uh, it's, it's backwards. It feels right to us, but it doesn't actually work. Our inclination, let's just be straight up honest, our inclination, most of us as Christians, is to just take that lamp, we're thankful that Jesus lit it, and we just hide it under our bed, we stay inside, we warm up under the covers, and we stay trapped in our Christian bubbles, and we don't do anything. Right? That seems easiest, right? But Jesus is essentially saying, by, by just keeping the lamp under your bed, you're just going to light your house on fire. The path to blessing is not to cuddle up in your bed. It's to boldly get under your bed, grab the lamp, walk out into the darkness, out of the bubble, and watch God actually do something with your life. Do you believe that God can do that? How many of you in this room want to grow in your faith? You came here this morning saying, I want to grow in my faith. You've got to step out in your faith to grow in your faith. You're never going to grow in your faith if you're hiding your lamp under your bed. But God has put a light in you, each and every one of you as believers. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you. If you believe that he's lit you up, put a light in you, he will use you. To do amazing things. If you stop engaging with God on this level, where you just come in to kind of get some more information and kind of consume some tips for your life, if instead you hear the word so that you'll shine, He's going to use you. I want you to walk in those doors, come in and sit down every Sunday morning, and sit in those chairs and say, God, Lord, I'm coming to hear your word today. So I can learn it and then live it out, out there. That's the vision of this church, by the way. Our vision is to be a people being changed by God. And then I say, why? So we can better our lives and have our own self-improvement. No, our vision is to be a people being changed by God to change the world. We are changed to change. We are renovated so we can renovate. And it doesn't matter who you are. I am so encouraged by the people of this church. I love being the pastor of this church because I feel like there's a whole lot of inspiring people in this church. I think of Sherry Berthume from our church. You know, uh, Sherry has helped to start Elevate Hope House 
in the area. So Sherry and a few of her friends have started a nonprofit that's going to have a house for homeless single mothers in Anoka County, ages 18 to 22, and their children, where they can come in, get support, and get training. In fact, they've been given a house, it looks like, where they can, for free, where they can start this ministry. Is that being a lamp? Yeah, big time. So you think of Sherry, you think of Nathan and Sarah that were up here at the beginning. You think of Lance Mackey, the chiropractor. What I think is interesting about all four of those people, most of you don't know any of them. They're just regular people. They're not people that are up here on stage and, or a house leader or something. They're just regular people like you, just like you. But they've said, God, you turned me into a lamp, so where do you want me to shine? And that's a dangerous question that you ought to be asking him every day. Because can you imagine, can you imagine what God can do with you if you trust him in that? It's not about your strength if you're going, oh, I could never do that, I'm not good at that. Yeah, no, honestly, you're not. Sorry. You're not good at it. But he is in you. Right? That's the point. When we are weak, he is strong. And if you trust him, like these people that I'm talking about trust him, can you imagine what he can do through your life? Maybe he can make an impact in the community through your life. Maybe there's a conversation you can have that can change someone. Maybe there's a a family or a child that you can bring the light of Christ to. But the only thing that's going to happen if you put your lamp under your bed and store it away is you're just going to light your house on fire. So I just want you to ask him this week, God, how do you want me to take my lamp out into the darkness? And then start walking. Let me pray. Lord, we, that's who we want to be as a church. Renovation church. We want to be a church that's renovating this community, that's bringing our lamp out there. We're not hiding. God, this world is lost and devastated without you. But we know, we've experienced in our own lives, we know the transformation that you can bring. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that we, the people of Renovation Church, that you would allow us to bring the light to the community, that we would not be afraid, we would not be ashamed, and that you would use us, God, to bring transformation. It's in your amazing name we pray. Amen.